Welcome back to How to Be a Better DM, the official podcast of Monsters.Rent. I'm your host today, Justin Lewis. Today, we are going to talk about how to weave better stories for yourself and your players playing Dungeons and Dragons. And today, we are probably going to be talking about doing that online, because today I have a very special guest. I'm joined by Andrew Clayton of the Foundry VTT team. Uh, so how's it going, Andrew? Uh, doing great. Thank you so much, Justin. I uh, really appreciate the invitation to join the show, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you and, and your community about a topic that I care a lot about. Excellent. Uh, let's let's dive right in. Um, first, let's give the listener, if they're not familiar with Foundry or uh, VTTs in general, uh, or, or you yourself, Andrew Clayton, um, you know, give the listener just a, a brief background of all of those things uh, as, as far as you see fit. <clears throat> sure. Uh, happy to do that. So um, Foundry Virtual Tabletop is a software for playing games like D&D, &D, uh, including D&D, &D, but uh, many games as well online in a self-hosted virtual tabletop environment where uh, we have a pretty unique business model. It's a one-time purchase with a perpetual license. So you as the game master can purchase the software and then you own it forever and you get all of the updates we release to the software. Your players um, don't have to purchase the software. You just connect via a, a web browser. So it's all web-based. It's using, it's built using modern web technologies and one of our, you know, proudest and, and strongest attributes is our very developer-friendly API that allows for the development of modules and systems that augment the software. And that's what allows Foundry to have so many different game systems supported, like over 250 different game systems that you can play on Foundry and over 2,500 different modules that you can install that, that expand or augment or enhance the functionality of the software in, in some way or another. And so, um, you know, we're a tool that's really designed to allow GMs to tell powerful and immersive and memorable stories with a really high level of production value using a lot of great tooling that lets you deliver experiences that really bring your player into the action and, and really help enhance their imagination or comprehension of a scene that you're uh, that you're depicting and um yeah and and we we love building the the software i am the the original creator of the software um, but now there's a whole team of us uh, involved in in making foundry vtt um and and we've got all kinds of projects uh, that were that we're involved in uh, in addition to making the core software with regards to content partnerships with amazing publishers like paizo we're just releasing uh, kingmaker for foundry vtt right now for, for pathfinder 2e we've got some other really big projects that are ongoing or underway or coming out soon uh, we've got a, a brand new version of the software that we're working on on creating so we're very very busy and um <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're, we're up to a whole lot, but um, if you're not familiar with Foundry, the, the best place to start is at our website, which is foundryvtt.com. And on the homepage, there's a nice sort of uh, introductory video that gives you like a, a, an introductory tour to, to everything that Foundry has to offer. And uh, that's probably a great place to start uh, if you're not already familiar but i hope it's something that many of you already use or, or know about or are thinking about and and for those of you who aren't familiar with it yet i hope you discover it to be something that is a a godsend to you that that can really help uh you and your your groups if you find yourself playing 
online or in person. Uh, yeah. It can be good for that too. Yeah, actually, um, it is a great software if you use uh, battle maps, but you use like TV screens or things like that as the battle maps. Uh, it, that's a great way to pair it in person. Uh, our listener can range from, you know, never been a DM and they're preparing to be a DM to people who have reached out to me saying, yeah, they played, you know, first edition D and D and, and they've kind of been doing it this whole time. Uh, so I, I'm curious and I'm sure they're curious too. What sparked the idea for foundry? Uh, and, and what made you actually decide to make it happen? Because that, you know, those, that's a very long road in between those two sure. instances. Yeah. So, um, I guess most of my life I, I, I've been really involved in, in gaming, both tabletop, uh, computer gaming. I think that's an important background that, that leads me a little bit to like the software side of things. Uh, and I've always had sort of tech hobby projects going on, uh, you know, something or other. And so it was uh, several years ago in 2018 that I, I found myself kind of in between projects and um, the, the gaming group I was playing with, we were thinking about starting a new campaign and we had historically been playing on using some other online tools because we played remotely, we, we played online. And, um, you know, we'd had a, a good but not great experience with other products. And, um, you know, there were a lot of things that kind of I, as the, the DM of that group, you know, really wished like, oh, I wish I could do this or, oh, it'd be so cool if I could do this or, wouldn't it be awesome if like when we were exploring these maps, I could, you know, do, do this other thing. Um, and, and all of those ideas just kind of built up to a point where I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'll try putting something together. And it was a, a sort of good moment of opportunity where um, web technologies were at a place of some maturity. Some, some technologies had reached a place where they were really good choices to work with. So, you know, modern HTML, HTML canvas, WebGL, um, new, you know, new JavaScript features, WebSockets, uh, you know, I, I won't get into the, the gory technical details aside from to say like a, a lot of the building blocks to make a good VTT were available to, you know, to work with. And it, it was sort of a matter of, thinking about what would be a good way to formulate the software and, and, and my ideas in a way that could take advantage of those technologies and really harness their potential. Um, and, and so, you know, Foundry was born pretty quickly after that because it, it turned out that, you know, it actually was really working to, to put these ideas into practice and start putting something together. And before long, there was kind of a viable prototype. And then I, I faced some very serious decisions about like how how seriously do I want to pursue this because not only you know was it something that was looking very promising for me and what I wanted but it turns out that as I was sharing it around you know a little friend group and you know everyone's response to it was very positive and so I had to decide like well you know maybe I should see how many people are interested in this so I, I started a, a Patreon uh, a Patreon membership where I could share details about the project and. You know, people started following along and, and staying tuned and being interested and really engaged with what I was doing. And uh, and, and everything really grew from there. And I think, um, you know, as, as terrible as like 2020 was for all kinds of reasons for a lot of people, um, you know, the timing kind of did 
I guess, work out a little bit for, for this project, at least that, you know, there I was kind of a year and a half, two years into development of this new thing. And, and suddenly everyone's kind of thinking, oh, maybe, uh, maybe we need to start playing online now. And, and so, um, you know, that, that kind of helped to, to really grow the community around Foundry and bring a lot of people to the, you know, to the community and, uh, yeah, the, the rest is history, I guess, as they say, um, you know, the, the launch of the product went well. And so I started growing the team and, and now there's, um, you know, there's nine of us that, that develop the core Foundry software and then probably another nine or 10 beyond that, that are working on various, you know, content related projects. So it's been a whirlwind couple years, um, going from just this being an idea for my own group to, you know, a, a business with employees and, and, you know, full-time everyone. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a, a big, a big change in my life and a really exciting one. And I'm, I'm really thankful that I, um, you know, got a little bit lucky, you know, sort of right place, right idea, right time, but also had the, you know, the courage to kind of go after it and, and see what I could do. Wow. I'll tell you. So I used to do, this isn't my first podcast. It's not even my second. Um, my first podcast was a personal development podcast and I, we often talked about business and I'll tell you, hearing your story a little bit, definitely I have the itch to kind of dig into that, but we might have to do that off screen or, or, or something. Um, but <clears throat> 2020 aside, right? We all know that, uh, the world was basically, waiting at home for 2020 to end that year mm -hmm. and twiddling our thumbs. And so we all, you know, played online D and D, but now why should someone consider online D and D and, or, uh, sorry, not and, or, but, uh, you know, add it to the list of things that they should do instead of just doing in person. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. I mean, I think I'd start by saying like, if you have, an in-person group that you love and that meets regularly and that, you know, you have a great relationship with the people at the table, like cherish that, do not let it go. You have something special and, and, you know, be thankful for that. Um, that doesn't mean you can't play online or, or you can't also play online with, you know, with other friends or another group or, or anything else. But, um, you know, I, I would be wrong to sort of disavow the magic of the in-person experience, but the reality is that's not practical for everyone. Uh, and there's so, there's so many more reasons why playing in person doesn't work out than reasons why it does. You know, the, the timing doesn't work or the location doesn't work, or you don't actually like the people that much, or you're not really vibing and you're not wanting to tell the same sort of stories. And it turns out that there's, people online that do want to tell the same sort of stories that you do, that you do have a great relationship with, where your schedule does match up with. And the only thing that doesn't match is you just don't happen to live in the same town. Um, and so, you know, I think the thing to, to ask yourself is how important is like the location bit versus all of the other things that go into having an amazing role-playing experience. And, you know, sometimes the stars line up and everything works out that that in-person group is you know, that's the dream, I think. But um, there's lots of great reasons to, to look online to find the right kind of game for you, the right game system for you, the right time to play, the right, uh, you know, at table expectations or tone or storytelling. Um, and those are things that are a lot easier to find when you have the whole 
universe of TTRPG players to, you know, to connect with and to draw from than, than just who happens to live down the street. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of part of the way I think about it. But, you know, I, I would also say that for groups that maybe have the choice, like we could do either or, you know, um, I think that the experience of playing online is a little bit different. It leans into some things a little bit more heavily and it maybe shies away from some things a little bit more heavily. And so I do think it is subtly, but importantly, a, a little bit of a different game experience. And I think that that's something that suits people very well. Uh, it's also something that can cause frustration to people and, and maybe just like that mode of play isn't for you. And so um, if you, if you've tried it, you probably know which camp you're in. And, uh, and if you haven't, then, you know, I think it, it's interesting to, to discover like what the differences are and what you like about it and what you don't. And of course, the quality of your experience will depend a lot on the people, the platform, the story. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to judge anything like this is for me or this isn't for me, but it's, it's nuanced in a lot of ways. I, I couldn't agree more, honestly. Just thinking about 2020 and, you know, the biggest hurdle of playing D&D &D or, or tabletop games, uh, as far as a DM, maybe not the biggest hurdle, but definitely the first hurdle is finding players, first of all, right? Getting people to say, yeah, I'd love to play with you. And I mean, logically, like you said, when you open up your field to anyone right who has connection to the internet uh it, it makes it a lot easier to find people um and actually to that end i would recommend to the listener you should work on being good at both versions of gameplay right in person or online and, and work at uh enjoying both because if you can do that you will always be able to find p players and in campaigns and stuff like it's, it's just a better way to be rather than limiting yourself to one or the other in my personal opinion mm -hmm. so uh, you did mention there are nuances to both online and and in person and i actually wanted to talk about that dig in a little bit so so what would you say are some of the challenges that you might have to overcome when doing online play and what are some really cool things that you can do online that you can't do or maybe would be really awkward or weird to do in person you're probably going to have to cut me off at some point because <laughs> I, I i bet i could talk about this for for hours um i think about this a lot because it it really informs in a large sense like what is it that we're trying to build? What What is our product and, and who is it for and, and why? Um, because it's very difficult to do everything. And, you know, if you try and be everything for everybody, you're, you probably aren't going to really succeed at, you know, at whatever your, your main focus is or your core mission is. Um, so my, in the interest of time, I, I guess my answer will be from the perspective of Foundry Virtual Tabletop. But I will say that like that answer is not the universal answer for playing online. That's just my answer with respect to the software that we make. Um, I think that playing online is really fascinating because it changes a lot of the expectations for the game master in, an, in, a, in a meaningful way in terms of expectations around 
preparation, expectations around capacity to improvise, expectations around what happens when the players go off script. Um, I think that one of the things about playing online, especially in Foundry, is it's such a fantastic platform for visual, auditory, immersive storytelling. You, It really leans into the fact that when you're digital, you have all of these amazing assets that you can draw from maps and artwork and portraits and tokens and music. And all of these things can help you tell your story in a way that is so visually engaging and, and immersive. Um, but part of what happens as a result of that is that there is like a little bit of expectation sometimes to like prepare all of those things. Um, you know, it's one thing to say like, oh, I have a collection of 75,000 tokens. <laughs> it's probably about what I have, you know, in terms of like individual images of like different creatures or characters that you can use. But the, the pressure to like prepare, you know, which ones are we going to use or which maps are, are ready to go or which pieces of artwork are the ones that we're using this week. There's, there can be kind of just more expectation on the GM sometimes to set those things up and to do prep work before the session than there is when you're just playing in person. And like everyone kind of knows you're not going to have those things. You know, you're not going to have the, the beautiful printout map, maybe every once in a while, but usually no, you're not going to have, you know, the perfect mini for every creature that you encounter. You're not going to have this like beautiful illustrated artwork that you put up on the wall for, you know, for every scene that your party explores. And so, you know, the, the expectations just shift a little bit. And I think this is something that some GMs really lean into because they love the idea that like, this is my hobby and I, I'm happy to prep six hours for a four hour session because I freaking love it. And I just like want, that moment of those four hours with my friends to be like just amazing but that's not for everybody and it doesn't have to be and it shouldn't be but you know i think like there is a and i don't want anyone to get the wrong idea about our software like there's there's nothing inherently about foundry that requires you to spend that amount of time preparing for a game session but it is sort of like the social contract that exists online with so many artists making amazing artwork and musicians making music and putting it all at your fingertips. It sort of is like raising the bar and raising the stakes about what's available to you and therefore like what you might be expected to, to engage with or to prepare to present to your players. And so it's a really interesting paradox, I think, that like with that increased power comes sort of increased obligation and like does playing online make playing easier? It's complicated. Yes, question mark. It does, it can, but it also doesn't. And it also can't sometimes because it, it, it means that you find yourself, you know, spending more time on, on some other things. But, you know, maybe, maybe the time that you're spending on prep is time that you're not spending on a long commute to like drive to wherever your game night is or, or, or something like that. So, you know, there's puts and takes everywhere, but I just, I do think it's really different. And I think that, um, you know, we, we try and lean into like allowing game masters using our software to have 
the sort of most spectacular experience that they can. And so, you know, we do kind of build a power tool like for the the GM that wants to go that extra mile and do all of that prep. Like we want to give that game master as much capability and power as they can handle in the software. Um, and then at the same time, we want to think about like how can we make setup and how can we make things easier and accessible to people that, you know, any whether you're you know sort of hardcore about that or not anything we can make faster and easier and more approachable is a win for everybody but um yeah you know it's it's just a really interesting situation where like because we are that kind of um i guess power tool is a sort of fair way to to think about it um it comes along with a lot of extra you know, considerations about like how you use it and the time that you spend with it. And is that something that you enjoy or is that something that comes as a tax to you that makes you feel like you're, you know, you're paying more for your gaming experience and different people respond differently. As a listener of this show, you obviously love story. Now that you've had a chance to craft your own story by listening to this show, wouldn't it be nice to get some inspiration? Or maybe you just want a moment of immersion and escape and entertainment. Whatever it is, come join us on our new show, Packed and Boom. It's an actual play D&D podcast in the world of Calignos, where our characters Jolly, Wolfgang, and Alan will find and meet each other in hell. And from there, start a troublemaking journey with some near-death experiences that will hopefully lead them to a happy ending. Find it wherever great podcasts are heard or just go to sessionzerostudios.com slash packed and boom. That's P-A-C-T-N-B-O-O-N. Start listening today. Those are really interesting points you bring up. And the first thing that comes to mind is you're absolutely right in, in, in that it is a power tool, right? Like if you are going to use a VTT, right, you have already made the decision that you are going to try and go a little bit more all out than maybe, you know, the average DM. And that's because, and I've said this on other podcast episodes before, but at at, at its core, a role-playing game, right, like the barest bearer of a role-playing game just consists of a story, people something to record the story maybe and and an agreed upon set of rules right and and i know people who do you know theater of the mind over the phone or or on zoom calls right if you're going to use a vtt then you've already made that decision to try and make it spectacular right and and the next thought that comes to my mind is also we have so much content that we can consume in the form of you know shows like critical role dimension 20 high rollers from the uk you know things like that that are a little bit more towards that spectacular level and seeing tools like these vtt's we do start to think you know why can't i do that so i i definitely agree with everything you're saying and as far as the accessibility that was one thing i did want to talk about so as a technological neophyte um mm -hmm. I would kind of think of VTDs and think, you know, what are, in your opinion, like what are the technical specifications you'd, you'd have to have for like your computer uh, to just run a VTT fairly well without technical issues? And, and what are some ways that 
you could hopefully mitigate any technical issues that might pop up. Yeah, uh, sure. Great question. So um, different VTTs are going to be different in that regard. So, you know, some of them are, are built using a, a game engine like Unreal or Unity, where everyone has to install a piece of software. Some are just very lightweight web-based. You just pop onto a website and, and you go. Um, Foundry's a little bit in the middle, I would say, in terms of it's not the most lightweight, but it is relatively lightweight because, you know, it's easy for the game master to install and everyone else just joins with a web browser um in terms of our like technical uh system requirements they're relatively modest um but because foundry is a tool that really leaves it up to the gm like how big do you go uh the the requirements for people playing do depend on on sort of what the game master does so for example foundry can do things like it can use big like video maps or it can use map images that are extremely large like 16,000 pixel square um but that doesn't mean that everyone can do that so like on your laptop or on your computer you have a gpu whether it's integrated or or a discrete card and that GPU has like a maximum size that it can do. And so, you know, it, it really does depend a little bit uh, on what your GM is doing, but for like basic usage, you know, any, any laptop or PC that you purchased in the last, you know, six or seven years is gonna work just fine with Foundry VTT. Um, we're, we don't have a, a spectacularly high bar in terms of technical requirements. One of the, probably the biggest technical requirement that we do have that is a struggle for some of our users is the nature of networking because um, you know we unlike some other platforms we are self-hosted that is a blessing but that is also uh, you know a challenge in some ways what that means is that as the as the DM you're running foundry on your computer, all of the files that you're using, the maps, the music, the tokens, it's all stuff that you have right on your computer. You own your own files and you use your own files and you own your own data. You know, it's not like some cloud service that like if you stop paying for it, you lose it. Or, you know, if the website goes down, you can't run your session because like someone else's website went out. The, the, the great thing about it being self-hosted is, you know, you're in control. It's, it's your computer and you can play as long as your computer is working. And there's something that like is empowering about that. Um, but it also means that among other things, your players need to be able to connect to your computer. And we don't actually control your home wireless network or your home router. And so, you know, we can't solve some problems for people in terms of like how your player gets connected to you. We have a lot of support for, you know, working through that and troubleshooting it. It can be as easy as you have to do nothing. It can be as difficult as you have to go to your router and add a port forwarding rule. And that is, technically daunting to, to people. Um, so yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's pros and cons of it. We do have, I should be clear, we do have a couple of uh, really great partnered hosting service providers where if for whatever reason you don't want to or, or can't 
navigate the technical requirement of hosting Foundry yourself, you can pay a modest amount and one of our partners will host a, a server for you that is you know, always available for you and your friends to log into with zero headaches uh, attached. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it, these are the sorts of things that are, that are tough to navigate. And, and it is tough sometimes with um, users who might not necessarily understand, like, why can't you make it just work? And, it, you know, it's, it's tough to not always have a great answer to that. Uh, it's like, because the internet is a little bit complicated and, you know, <laughs> how traffic gets from one place to another, uh, it's not as simple as you might think. On the heels of that, somewhat technical question. I think, uh, you know, we're coming down to the end of our, 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 our uh, talk today. Uh, I do want to ask one question before we sort of wrap up that is also technical maybe, but what AI is sort of this buzzword right now, you know, artificial intelligence, all that jazz. Uh, in your view, what do you see being the developments in the realm of AI or generative experiences as it pertains to VTTs? Yeah, great question. Um, tough question. I think generative models are, are evolving and improving faster than most of us are, are able to really comprehend and, and keep up with. I think um, the, the improvements in quality of output from from generative models is really impressive now there are um very crucially and very importantly ethical and legal issues at play here in terms of how those results are produced and how we should feel about them um but setting those aside for a moment and that is a fairly big but but you know focusing a little bit more on the technology itself I think that generative assets, generative content is inevitably going to be part of the landscape of, of role-playing. I think it's unavoidable. I think that, um, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain hallmark of, of role-playing experiences about, you know, improvisation and collaborative storytelling and the desire to communicate ideas, creative ideas quickly in a way that allows everyone at the table to then, you know, intake those ideas, be inspired by them, and then respond. Um, and one of the amazing things about, you know, generative, whether it's text or image or video or, or, or even audio, the ability for it to take an idea and then give you something tangible to react to or respond to that expands upon that idea or heightens it or takes it to you know a next level of depth. I think there's not clear answers about how this is going to work or how it's going to affect the way that people role play, but I think it's inevitable that it will. You know, the ability for as the DM for you to be in real time, live improvising and say, you know, you, you walk into the town and there's a market and in front of the market, there's a juggler who's juggling balls woven of all of the different elements of magic, fire and frost and electricity and thunderbolts of force erupting out. And the crowd is watching with rapt attention as 
you know, a little pickpocket goes around and takes coins from unsuspecting people's, uh, you know, garments. And you're just saying that. And as you're saying it, an image is, is displayed of that very scene. Like, you know, interpreting voice into prompt and interpreting prompt into image and interpreting image into a stimulus that then comes back to your storytelling and, and that people can respond to. It's unbelievably powerful conceptually. And I think um, it's something that will change the way that we, we role play for sure. Now, what's it take to get there? I think, um, you know, there's technical challenges to solve, like how would a, a technology platform make it to where you can have that kind of experience where the GM says the thing and lo and behold, the image of it appears and everyone's like, I see it now, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> how do you get there? Well, there's, there's technical problems to solve, but, you know, as I said, there's also, um, you know, ethical problems to solve and you know how that artwork gets generated is a very contentious and, and rightfully so topic and so I think you know while the the technical the technology problem is one that's very exciting to me to others um, it's it's a problem that is um, not really appropriate to try and you know, bring to life until I think some of the, you know, the ethical concerns about sourcing of training data, about generation of, of results, about, um, you know, credit or compensation or, or even consent of the people whose, whose work has been used to create these results is, is better handled. And so, um, you know, it's a, we're, we're at the cutting edge of this stuff and it, it, it cuts, you know, in addition to being exciting. And so I think, um, you know, I, 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 I'm very excited about where this might lead. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit of time until it becomes normative. But I do think it's inevitable that this is really going to fundamentally alter the way that we play games. Absolutely. Um, I definitely think the world in five, ten years is going to look a lot more like the Jetsons Maybe not yeah. so much in flying cars or robot, or Rosie the robot, but um, I don't know. Things are things are definitely changing. But thank you so much, Andrew, for for joining me on this conversation uh, and and talking to my listener here. Uh, before we let you go, can you tell my listener how can they reach out to you, support you, see what you're up to, and possibly connect with you? Absolutely. So um, the the best place to start is at foundryvtt.com. So if you're not familiar with our software yet, that's the best place to go. If you are familiar or you want to get more involved, uh, we have an official Discord server, discord.gg slash foundryvtt. We have an amazing community um, where, you know, like-minded uh, TTRPG enthusiasts who love technology and love Foundry VTT and are eager to share their tips and tricks and experiences with you, uh, help out uh, our, our you know, able to be to be found. It's a really wonderful community. I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, we are available on socials, uh, Twitter slash Foundry VTT, uh, YouTube uh, Foundry VTT, Twitch. Um, we have a Twitch channel. Uh, we'll be live on Twitch next week with a um, 
development update of our latest and greatest version. Some very exciting announcements and first looks and things coming there. Um, and yeah, we have a Patreon as well. As I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, it, this all sort of started on Patreon. We do still have a Patreon for anyone who just loves what we're doing so much that you want to like show a little bit extra support or something. You can do that there. It's it's incredibly appreciated. It is not required. Um, the whole business model that we operate on is a one-time purchase. You don't have to subscribe to anything. It's just if you love what we're doing so much that you want to shower us with your affection, uh, you, you may do so uh, at your discretion. Um, and uh, yeah, most the, the, the best place to interact with me and the team is on our Discord server. We're very active there and we love chatting with the community about, about what we're doing. So um, do check it out and I hope to see you there. Excellent. Well, listener, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and I am 100% certain that you learned something today or at least have something to chew on mentally and hopefully uh, it nourishes your body and soul. Uh, we'll be back next week for another amazing episode. Until then, friend, let's go ahead and roll initiative. Do you love these podcast episodes but aren't always able to listen to them? Do you learn better reading information rather than listening to it? Here's what you can do. Go to sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get tips and tricks sent directly to your inbox in written format that you can read and reference whenever you want. You'll get tips that we don't share on the podcast and bonus techniques that frankly no one has ever heard before. Again, sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter and uh, get those free tips and techniques right to your inbox every week.